Welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and uh, we've got a really fun show for you today. Um, this is uh, – you just heard my new ukulele is for covers track. Uh, it is the track Memory Remains by Metallica, uh, recorded by request. Uh, the request was for a Metallica song, and that is the one I chose for Miss Lynn Nelson. Lynn Nelson, obviously a huge Metallica fan, so everybody buy her Metallica stuff for Christmas. Anyway, that was a lot of fun to record. I did it just with the ukulele and some vocals, and uh, didn't add any other instruments on that one, I don't think. Just because I felt like it would be a fun, it would just be nice to keep it stripped down. 
down. Uh, anyway, let's keep going. Uh, if you want to request a, a band for me to cover with ukuleles for covers, I have, uh, I have, I think, two other ones lined up. No, maybe three other ones lined up. Gosh. Anyway, the point is, um, I've got a few lined up, but if you'd like to request one, castinwax at gmail.com. That's castinwax at gmail.com, and that's where you will get to do that. Anyway, we've got a whole bunch of things. We've got uh, four different radio serials from our friends back in Binghamton. We have a special guest appearance later in the show, and uh, I want to get right to everything. So let's bring out our very first co-host, Mr. Rory Sinjin. <laughs> It's good to be here. Thank you very much. Good to have you on, Rory. Good to have you on. It's always good to be on, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so what's new with you, um, Rory, without giving away what we're going to talk about in a moment? Oh, um, without giving... Well, I mean, that's a pretty big part of it. I know, but we're, we sa- we're saving that for just a, in a couple... Like, it's like a minute or two. So just Right, don't... right, right, right. Um, things have been quite quiet. You know, the Queen's Institute going quite well. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, as always, I say, if you'd like to have an extra historical reading, please send me in your problem that you'd like to have an extra historical reading in regards to, to castandwax at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to do that. Otherwise, um, no, nothing, nothing, nothing other than, you know, the big thing. Right, but we're not... No, I know, I know, I know. Good, good. Okay, um, well then, in that case, I'll bring out uh, the next one, the next uh, co-host, Mr. Scape White. <laughs> Scapey, it's good to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Excellent, excellent. Now, Scape, uh, as always, not as always, as as last time, I started with Ukuleles for Covers because uh, you have a Scapey song later in the show. How excited are you for it? Very excited. It's my, my third and final um, assignment of this semester. And it's, I think it's really good, so I think you're going to all like it. I can't wait for you to hear it. Good. I can't wait for us to hear it. I mean, I've heard it. And I can't wait for everyone else to hear it. That's really, really, really neat. It is really neat. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, you, that, that's it, by the way. Uh, that's all our hosts for this show. I mean, myself, Jordan D. White, Mr. Roy Sinjin, and Mr. Scape White. And those of you who are noticing a lack or absence in that list, uh, this next section is for you. That's right. It is the return of Apple Watch, but ironically, we can't, we're not watching Frank Allen because we have no idea where Frank Allen is. Um, I, he left in the middle of the last show two weeks ago. He walked right out of the apartment, right in the middle of it. He hasn't been back. I have no idea where he could be, why he left. The police are looking for him now. I don't know exactly why. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Um, Rory, did you now? We, that we we didn't talk about this before, like I said, because well, yeah, yes, Frank has been missing. Uh, obviously, my life is quite different because he had been living with me, you know, for a while. I I still have all his things, you know. He didn't even stop to pick up his things. He just he just vanished. Yeah, well, I mean, why would he do that? Well, again, I don't know. Uh, he all of his things are, are in my home, Frank. If you're listening to this, and I hope you are, you know, let me know what you want me to do with your things. Your your milk is going bad. Well, I don't think you need to wait for him. On you can, I think you can throw away milk that's going bad. All right. Well, but what about the rest of his things? You know, your laundry is out. It's folded. Uh, 
who's going to put it away? I think you're concerned with the strangest things about that. I think the fact that he's vanished and we don't know where he is is a little more important than getting in touch with us to let us know what to do with his laundry. Who's going to put it? I mean, you could put it away. I'm not going. It's his laundry. I'm not going to put it away. I already had my people wash it. Am I going to waste their time putting it away as well? Well, again, I don't think it matters because what about the fact that he's vanished and he's missing? Isn't that more important? I prefer when you leave the laundry in the basket because that way I could just climb right on top and just be like soft. Oh, nice. And I'll sleep on it. But it's not its not at this house. It's at his house. Then I don't care. No, and I didn't think you would care, but okay. Thank you for chiming in. You don't chime in enough, so thank you for chiming in. You're welcome. Rory, just... Don't worry about the laundry. The point is, what about Frank? Frank, if you're listening to this, forget about the laundry. Contact us to tell us where you are, how you are, what is going on with you. We are worried about you. We're, we're nervous about why. I mean, why are the police looking for you? What is going on? Yes, I mean, it, it was all quite surprising. It was right in the middle of, um, what was it, Slam Jackson, when he just all of a sudden up and left. You know, which is strange because, again, it was, a, it was a pleasant episode of Slam Jackson and it contained good news for us because it said that our friend Lynn was not... A murderer. And so, I mean, I understand he might be slightly embarrassed by that because he's been saying she was murdered. Yeah, but I think they used to be friends and they can be friends again now. So I, I would think he would be happy about that. I would as well. But no, he just up and left and I don't know why. Neither do I. Well, all right. That is um, unfortunate for us all. If anybody uh, if anybody has any information about where Frank Allen is, um, please write into us. Castingwax at gmail.com. And Frank, you can write into us too. Castingwax at gmail.com. Well, I think Frank knows the address. Well, I... You, I he does, but just Frank, please write into us. And and if if anybody knows any anything about where he is, please just write into us. Castandwaxgmail dot com. That's the end of that segment. But speaking of um, friends going away, I actually have a special segment now. Um, a friend of mine uh, is a gentleman named Michael Mikowski. Uh, he was a friend of mine since, uh, gosh, fourth grade, and uh, he, you, you would know him, you, the, the loyal listener, would know him as the, the voice of the uh, narrator most of the time in Guard Duty, as well as the, uh, the writer of the theme song of Guard Duty, the writer of the theme song of Epic Echoes, the writer of the theme song of Decker and Hayes, the co-arranger of the theme song for Debatatorium, and the arranger of the uh, theme song to This Day in History and Where Are They Now in History. So he's done a lot for the show. In addition... He is the voice that I impersonate. He is the person that I impersonate in my Christmas song I'd always call on Christmas. It's a fictional song. You can download it in uh, Rhapsody in Wax or a ukulele version in, in Rhapsody on ukulele. It's not as good. The original is better. But you can download both of them. They're my little Christmas song about me and Mike talking on the phone. This is the real Mike and me talking on the phone that you're about to hear. Why? Because he's moving to uh, New Zealand, which is a bit of a bummer for me. That means I will see him significantly less. I haven't seen him that much recently anyway, but uh, now it's going to be even less likely that I'll see him, which is really sad, which is really sad. So um, I wanted to talk to him, and while I was talking to him, I said, hey, do you mind if I record our conversation for my podcast? And he said, sure. So here we are. Enjoy. All right, well, then I, let me start by giving some background. Uh, this is Mike Mikowski on the phone with me, and we're discussing how many ants there are on the planet, um, because there's a lot. Why did we start discussing this, anyway? Wow. Um, yeah, because of sheep. Oh, because... It's all about sheep. Right. You're moving to New Zealand. There's more sheep there than people, and there's more ants on the planet than there are pretty much anything else. Yes. Okay, I'm on the Wikipedia page for ants now. Uh, 22,000 species. Yeah, so that, I mean, that's kind of cheating, because we're only one species. Yeah. I mean, could we say, like, mammals? Man, there's probably a lot of mammals. 
Probably still not that many, though. <laughs> There's an awful lot Probably of ants. Probably not. Because <laughs> mammals, on average, are a bit bigger than ants, so there just wouldn't be room for that many. The, the, ants are found on all continents except Antarctica. Sensible. <laughs> not much of anything found there. Nope. Well, they're one, one joint country colony. I guess the name of it. Called colony, scientific research outpost. Right, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like, people don't live there for, for living's sake. They just go there to study things. Right. Does anything live on Antarctica besides penguins? Um, penguins don't live in Antarctica, do they? Yeah, yeah, that's or where they are. They're backwards. They're yeah. at the South Pole, not the North Pole. Correct, yeah. They're definitely down at the South Pole. Oh. Yeah, because polar bears live at the North Pole. It's polar bears and penguins don't live together. Well, let's see. Let's go to the Wikipedia page for Antarctica. <laughs> it's related to ants? Yeah, Antarctica. <laughs> Even though there are specifically no ants there. So why did they name it Antarctica, huh? <laughs> because they said, be there. they said there's no ants here. Let's name it after ants to commemorate. So that there they is... They named it Anti-Antarctica. Anti-Antarctica? Yes. Okay. Well, that could be... Which is like the, uh, the, the sister of the father of Antarctica. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because I don't. I can't think of another creature that lives there. Population. Antarctica has no permanent residents. Okay, that's people population. Flora right. and fauna. See also Antarctic ecozone and Antarctica microorganisms. Oh, great! So it's just a bunch of microorganisms. Well, let's see. Okay. Oh, here we go. Uh, flora. We don't care about flora. Fauna. Uh, few terrestrial vertebrates live in Antarctica. Invertebrate life includes microscopic mites. Um. I'm not going to name all those. Yeah, no. There's a flightless midge. A variety of marine animals exist and rely on the phytoplankton. The Antarctic fur seal was heavily hunted in the 18th and 19th centuries. Um, it's just a freaking list. Yeah. Penguins, seals, and fish. That's it, it sounds like, so far. Yep. They got a picture of a penguin here. An emperor penguin. Well, I guess that's it. So there are more penguins on Earth than there are people. <laughs> I'm confusing matters slightly. Oh, uh, yeah. There are more penguins on Antarctica than there are ants. And there are more penguins on Antarctica than there are people on Antarctica. Yeah. So it should there really be penguin Antarctica. On Antarctica than there are ants. Penguin Antarctica. Or people Antarctica, because there's more people than ants. But, well, okay. And then all the other things should be named ant that. Although, hey, I don't know if that's true. Someone at the, the scientific place in Antarctica might have an ant farm. Oh. Wow. That would really screw with everything. Yeah. And in fact, they would probably only need like a couple dozen ant farms, and then there would be more ants and penguins. I don't think the population would go that huge. But that would only, I, I mean, th I think the only reason that would happen is if somebody wanted to mess with statistics. Because I don't think like pe that many people who just happen to like ant farms would go there. Well, an ant farm is kind of a nerdy thing, and you got a scientific place in the Antarctica that's going to be full of nerds, right? Well, yeah. Okay, well, it's possible. But still, I still think then that means we should call all the other continents Ant Fat, like Ant Europe and Ant Africa and Ant Australia. Well, yeah, because they all have more ants than anything else. Right. Well, maybe not anything else, but... Yeah, like, there's, 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 there's fewer ants than there are atoms. I only know one atom. <laughs> you must know more than one atom. Uh, maybe I've met other atoms, but I really only know one atom. Okay, well, it depends on how, how you define no. Because you know and of Adam Arkin. Have a personal relationship with what? You know of Adam Arkin, probably, or like Adam Ant. Yes, I know of Adam Ant. Oh, that's interesting. Adam Antarctica. <laughs> it always comes back. 
Because there's so many ants, all conversations lead to ants. Now, how do I phrase this question? I want to find out if there are any living organisms, other than microorganisms, so any multicellular organisms that uh, constitute a greater population of the Earth than ants. Uh, well, what's the... You would say, like, most most well, um, populous life form? What is the most common life-like form on Earth? What does that mean? Uh, I think maybe it's because... They want to include viruses. Oh, good call. Which are not uh, necessarily alive. Here's a fun fact making rounds on the internet. According to NASA, there are more bacteriophages on Earth than any other form of life. But then there's a response to that. These small viruses are clearly are not clearly a form of life. Since when not attached to bacteria, they are completely dormant. Yes, and I thought it was... Well, when we were in school, it was agreed that a virus is not living, right? Um, well, they don't fulfill all the criteria, but they do... They do um, certain of them, but not all of them. Right. So, so I thought we would not define them as a form of life. Right, right, right. They're just kind of, uh, uh, I mean, they're interesting. They're interesting because they, they replicate, but they don't replicate on their own, right? They have to go into another cell to replicate, right? Right. Maybe I should say the most populous animal. Yeah, or creature. Are humans the most populated animal? And the auto answers? Populated? Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> they mean populous and... Uh, the answer is no, I think. Well, I know. Maybe they mean populated. Maybe they mean uh, which creature has the most other creatures living inside of it. <laughs> well, I don't know. Then I'd have to just go with probably, like, the largest. So, like, the whale? I don't know. We have a lot I mean, of... They we have a lot of bacteria in us, but... Probably not that much more than the average creature with a digestive system. Exactly. I don't know much about the blue whale's digestive system. I'm sure they have one. But... I... I mean, yeah, they must have one. <laughs> Although blue whale, blue whale is the one that only eats like plankton, right? Yeah, I think so. So, so it probably wouldn't have so that it robust. Might not be a very complex one, so it might not have as many bacteria as ours does. Um, I'm finding. Uh, okay, here's what I'm finding. Uh, there is a type of roundworm called nematode, um, which lives only in sea. Uh, which live not only in all sea, lake, and river water, but almost every inch of soil, and in almost all animals. And the number of okay, well, again, they didn't use they didn't use the uh, they didn't use scientific terms, but they actually wrote the number. And it's let's see how many zeros: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five zeros with a four in front of it. So four to the four times ten to the twenty-fifth power. Yeah. That's an awful lot. <laughs> so an alien alien uh, spacecraft comes to Earth, and they do a scan, and they go, dominant life form, nematodes. <laughs> Let's communicate. So they say, take me to your ringworm leader. <laughs> Maybe they can just call it the ringleader. The ringleader, perfect, yes, because that makes perfect sense. Cool. <laughs> what, uh, although, I mean, I would imagine an alien life form would have to have developed... Uh, in a way that would make it smart enough to know that the most populous life form is not the dominant one. Well, yeah. I would have to assume that of a sentient alien life form able to travel to our planet, not just an alien life form as you <laughs> Right, like an alien worm just kind of looks up and goes, what's over there? <laughs> well, speak, yeah, speaking yeah, of... Yeah, I wouldn't make any judgment on their uh, intelligence capacity. Speaking of which, did you hear about the uh, the NASA thing? Uh, maybe. What NASA thing? 
where they dis- they discovered um they discovered life on earth as i like to say but um they discovered that there was a there was a life form in a in a uh, poisonous lake in california that uh replaced i think it was phosphorus in its dna with uh well, that instead of having phosphorus in its DNA, it had um, arsenic. So it's a, a life form that has a different base composition in its DNA than than humans, than all other life that we know. Uh, okay. No, I didn't know about that. Let's see, news for life form arsenic. Yeah, you, you'll totally find it. It's it's kind of a big deal. Um, I mean, it's like it's like it's a big deal, and it's not. P- NASA was like, dude, we're going to make this awesome announcement that everybody's going to have their minds blown, and everybody went. They found aliens. It's got to be they found aliens. It's the only thing that makes sense. And then they were like, well, no. <laughs> we found no. this life form. Yeah, we found a mutation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. So, it might... so that means that the, the, uh, what, one of the amino acid chains within DNA is a different composition? I'm not, I'm not sure if I know enough, quite enough about um, how DNA works to know that. So, when I saw... My, my understanding from genetics in high school was that DNA is just strings of amino acid chains and what it's all like what cytosine and guanine stuff like that right, right. but I I thought it's I think Bill Bill Nye said something about like okay when I saw Bill Nye on on it talk about it he said something like you know you're, you have the double helix and then there's like the rungs of the staircase that bind them together are made out of phosphorus I guess and but okay. in, but in this it's not in this it's amino or it's a uh, it's arsenic now the question then is I, I, you know what? I'm not a scientist and I don't know. I don't want to confirm that because I'll be wrong. You, you're looking it up. Um, so you probably know better than I, I do. I think you would confirm it if you weren't recording this. <laughs> you might be right. I might just go, yes, totally. Um, but, but what I'll say is um, you, you, you called it a, a mutation, but we don't know. It might be a mutation, but it also might be uh, – it might have developed parallel. But the, Do we have any idea how long this life form has been around? No, no, not yet. Um, the exciting thing about it, basically, is that it means that life can exist in places that we had previously thought it could not. Um, so that means for NASA, it could mean that there's more planets to look for life on than, than we thought there were. Ah, so it just means uh, things get harder now. <laughs> it's going to be harder to find. Well... It means we're going to look more places, but that also means we're more likely to find it because we won't be ignoring places that could have it. Well, that's true. So harder and easier both. Just different. Yeah, different. Okay. So there could be, could be arsenic. Definitely different. Arsenic place. No, you go first. You go first. What? I couldn't hear what you were saying because I was talking by accident. Oh, I I don't think you were talking by accident. I think you were talking on purpose. (laughs) I was talking on purpose, but I didn't mean to talk over you. Ah, okay. Um, what was it? I was just thinking some other reference to Anthropal. I don't even remember what it was. So was I. Yeah. Oh, well. I was going to say there could be arsenic-based ants on some other planet. There could be what? Arsenic-based ants on other planet. Yeah, but we probably wouldn't call them ants. We call them ant-arsenics. (laughs) Ant-arsenics? Oh, speaking of space stuff, I was reading this uh, this uh, comic uh, from the golden age of comics, meaning like probably the 40s or 50s it was drawn and written in. And um, there was this guy in a, in a rocket traveling from Mars to Earth, and there was a problem with his spaceship. Something uh, went wrong. And so he had to do an emergency landing on the nearest planet. <laughs> 
Jupiter, what might that have been? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't Earth and it wasn't Mars. So, <laughs> Was there a name for it? No, it was like some – I mean, I'm sure there was in the comic, but it was like some undiscovered planet. You know, It was just like, oh, I better stop off. And then there was aliens and all that stuff, of course. Um, but I thought that was hilarious. All the time we've been staring at Mars thinking there might be signs of former life there. And it turns out there was just a planet between us and Mars that we never noticed been teeming with life. <laughs> I mean, it was just clearly written in one of those times when they just had no idea about anything. And they were just like, okay, what's another planet? Mars? All right. And they just didn't know or care or think about where Mars yeah, was. Well, I, you couldn't say they didn't know about things. I mean, as far back as the, I mean, you said, like, Golden Age of Comics was that 30s? Probably the 40s or 50s, one of the two, it depends. I think we knew plenty about the makeup of our solar system at that point. Well, right. I mean, we did as a people. I mean, this, whoever wrote it. Comic books were <laughs> yes, whoever was working on it was a dumbass. Um, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, you know, because you know, you think about, whenever you read about uh, science fiction that involves space travel, especially from the old days before they, like, got more scientific about it. It's always like, yeah. there's just planets all over the place. Planets, planets, planets. And it's like, no, they're, oh. they're really far away. <laughs> yes, in the real world, there's actually lots of empty space. Yes, much Blank more. empty space. How exciting. Mm. Well, unfortunately, if you'd like, we can continue this conversation later, but I need to get ready to go to dinner. All right, well, thank you for, for being on my podcast. No problem. And thank all of you for listening to me talking to Mike on the podcast. Um, thank you, Scapey and Rory, for uh, 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 waiting for that. Well, you're very welcome. You're not welcome, as far as I'm concerned, because I think that was a waste of my time, frankly. Well, Scape, that's not a nice thing to say. Well. 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 I thought it was a fun and interesting conversation. I only wish I had had a chance to, to talk to him about my, uh, my uh, market machine, because... That is a pretty interesting topic, and I haven't heard what he thought about it, and I can't wait for Congress to enact it. Congress, World Congress, I guess. All the Congresses of the entire world. Um, it's going to be very exciting. So, um, yeah. So instead you talked about ants. I mean, why didn't you talk about the market machine? We were talking about ants. That's what came up. Ants are not that big of a deal. I Sometimes I remember seeing some ants one time, like, crawling in the kitchen, and I was like, sniff, what is that? And there's a little thing. That's it. Yeah, that's what ants are. They're little things. So who cares if there's like a zillion, billion, medallion little things? They're just riddles. Yes, but if there's a zillion, billion, whatever you said, little things, that's more than you. Yeah, but they're so riddle. Yeah, but if there's that many of them, they're, they're bigger than you, too. No, they're still riddle. No, each individual one is little, but like a whole pile of them would be really, really big. Yeah, but they would be made of riddle. Okay, okay, okay. Imagine it this way, Escape. If I gave you one piece of dry food... That's very small. That's not enough. I know. You'd go, that's not enough. That isn't enough. I need more than that. Right, right. Now, if I gave you a billion pieces of dry food, that would can you can you imagine that would be a really big pile? Okay, I'll eat it. Yeah, yeah. No, but, I mean, that would probably be a pile big enough that you couldn't eat it. I could. I would just puke. Oh, okay, yes. But my point is that the pile would be bigger than you. Yeah. Okay. I get you now. I think I get it. And if that pile fell on you, you would be probably be crushed. Or buried, at least. Oh, well, I could eat my way out. And puke. Yeah, and puke, too. Like, I would eat some, I'm numb, and then I would turn around and puke behind me, and then I would go turn around again and eat more, and then turn around and puke. So I would, like, be, like, taking food in from one side and puking it out on the other side. So I'd be slowly but surely getting out of the pile. Very sensible. That's a very, very sensible thing. All right, well, let's get right into the show. Uh, the shows, I should say. Um... We've got a whole bunch of things uh, lined up for today. 
we have um, four radio serials, uh, two of which we've heard before, one brand new one, and an all-new uh, special show. So let's get right into them. We'll start with uh, everyone's favorite returning serial, Slam Jackson, Adventurist. Slam Jackson, Adventurist! By Cheryl Casey. Episode 6 The Reunion. Our story opens today outside the mailbox of famed private investigator and adventurist Slam Jackson. Yo. Where he has just received a. Bill, Bill, credit card offering. What's this? What is this indeed? Within the crisp and seemingly innocent embossed envelope lay enough angst and depleted dreams to rip the world asunder. Could it be a faceless arch nemesis? A foe with no name? Yes, yes, there in our perturbed protagonist's hands, the agony of a generation. It's... Wharton Valley Senior High School invites you, the class of 1990, to celebrate your 20-year reunion. Oops, I seem to have inadvertently dropped that into my recycling bin. As he moves from the recycling bin and towards his home, his path is crossed, quite ironically, by a black cat. Hey, little guy, who do you belong to? And suddenly, with the cat-like reflexes of a cat, the feline foe reacts with a flick of its dastardly tail, and our hero is enveloped in the characteristic odor of... <sighs> Ether. The famed Slam Jackson falls into the black nothingness of a drug-induced sleep. When he comes to, he finds himself shackled to a table and a proverbial brood of cats prowling his body. What the? I see you've woken, Slam Jackson. Now behold, as my sinister plan can now come to fruition. Yeah, about that. Silence! For now that I have you restrained, I, Hellcat, will pluck the very seed from your loins and with that, create a godchild of which the world has never seen! Is that a turkey baster? No! <clears throat> well, I, I, I mean, I suppose we could do it the old-fashioned way if you prefer. It's just that normally I'd want to get to know you first before that. Maybe go on a date. <clears throat> Are you scared, Jackson? Not really. Oh, good. That would make this even more awkward. Do I even know you? You mean you don't remember? I know I don't have the braces anymore, and I know how to properly groom my eyebrows now and wear contacts instead of those god-awful glasses with the powder blue plastic frames. Wait, did you used to have freckles? Oh, I chemically peeled those hideous things off ages ago. I like the freckles. Really? Nellie. Nellie Fipster, right? We went to school together. You do remember! <clears throat> uh, I mean, uh, yes, yes, of course I am. Nellie, what's this all about? Oh, it's this stupid thing. Held in the neatly manicured hand of Nellie Flipster, formerly known as Hellcat, formerly known as the nerd with glasses and freckles, is a crisp and seemingly innocent embossed envelope. The Horton Valley Senior High School's 20th. Reunion. You're not seriously going to do that, are you? Well, I would if I could have your baby. Nellie, 
A baby's not a fashion accessory. But it would look so good in my arms. No. Please. You have no idea what it's like. 20 years and I've accomplished so little. Percy Knifehammer's a successful dairy farmer, and Judy Scatter's zoo and Zimbezi, and Sipple Smackpant. Sipple Smackpant! Did you know he colonized Mars for all the mutant gator people displaced by the ethnic cleansing that took place during the Centurion War? Sipple Smackpant, the guy I dated for like six months in high school, and six months is practically forever in high school, and then I dumped him on prom night for you! But we never dated. I know! Right after prom, I was recruited for that aerospace engineering program and immediately put to work on the propulsion problem with the Callisto missiles. Aerospace? Yeah, that top-secret engineering program? What was it called? The TSRPPAE or something? Don't look at me like that, Slam. It's not like it's rocket science or anything. Nellie. Oh, yeah. I guess it is rocket science now, isn't it? That sounds like something to brag about to me. Huh. I think you're right. <laughs> and to think I was more than ready to shred my clothes and my dignity to engage in some of the most carnal lovemaking I could think of would you still chain to that table. All for a silly baby. Yeah, thanks for regaining your senses. Thanks, Slim. You've been a great help. I'll see you at the reunion, won't I? Well... Will Slam Jackson attend his 20th high school reunion? Will Nellie Flipster remember to unshackle him from the table? All this and more in the next thrill-packed episode of Slam Jackson! Adventurist! In that episode of Slam Jackson Adventurist, Slam Jackson was Jack Kunrat, the narrator was Mickey Weishner, and Hellcat was Cheryl Casey. Donnie Palumbo's Clubhouse of Super Villainry. Episode 2 Tinkering with How I Love You. By Cheryl Casey. Previously on Donnie Palumbo's Clubhouse of Supervillainy. Feeling neglected and overcome by a swell of emotions, Donnie Palumbo decides to become the arch-nemesis of his girlfriend's superhero persona, Phantasma, in order to inject some spice into their stagnating relationship. Much to his best friend Rob's chagrin, Donnie bursts out of the apartment building upon reaching this revelation. As it turns out, supervillainy is a lot of work. Like, a lot. I was so excited, so into the moment, that I hadn't even taken into consideration that I didn't have a clubhouse. No evil lair, no moat filled with genetically engineered sharks, no minions. I didn't even have a nifty name doused with enough symbolism to quake the hearts of masses or a threatening superpower. I needed a plan. I needed to be doing more than jogging aimlessly down the street. I needed a utility belt. Donnie, wait! Go away, Rob. You can't change my mind. I know. And unlicensed frontal lobotomies are illegal. Ha. Ha. I need to get out of here. I need to go to a hardware store. I need to- Need a ride? You? You're- you're gonna help me with this? Why not? If it works out, good for you. If not, it's bound to be a very amusing cautionary tale. I've got your back. 
I don't trust you. I also love the way I told you so tastes on the tip of my tongue. Did you know that smug vindication has a very sweet flavor? Come on, it'll be fun. Let's be super villains. <sighs> okay. To the hardware store. The first version of the clubhouse was a cobbled together, structurally unsound denizen of dreams. I did the majority of the heavy lifting while Rob looked on and suggested that we hired a professional. In the end, I think this was my favorite clubhouse. Sure, it didn't have all the accommodations of later versions, but it was truly mine. It was just me and Rob and a half-thought-out plan. It had the sparkling innocence of a toddler left alone with a blowtorch. I think I might have an old recliner in storage somewhere. It'd be perfect in here. Yeah, we could use a torture recliner. No, I meant a recliner. For sitting. For me. No, no, for us we need thrones. Matching thrones for the evil supervillain and his sidekick. Sidekick? You think I'm gonna be your... Donnie, let's just work out what we have here, and then go from there. <sighs> yeah, sure, okay, we'll start with the recliner. But as soon as we get thrones, that thing will be on the curb. Sure. You think I should grow out a goatee for this? What? Like a supervillain goatee, to show how evil I am? As a general rule, I don't measure evil by facial hair. More along the lines of how many orphanages did this person bomb. Well, I need something. How about an evil maniacal cackle? You have one of those? How does this sound? <laughs> it sounds like maybe you should work on growing out a goatee. I don't know. Maybe if I had a superpower. If I had a name, then I'd have a foundation. I would know enough of my inner evil to be able to bathe in it. That sounds more like Japanese porn than supervillainy to me, man. What could I do? How could it be a threat to Phantasma? I mean, we already know you sweat acid. You're one step ahead of me, and it was my idea. Am I hearing this right? You're jealous of me? Now? The guy who got assaulted by a granny then arrested for indecency because the Kung Pao chicken I ordered for lunch was more spicy than I'd thought? You have a superpower! I melt through clothes and people and everything I come in contact with. I don't strategically decide when to use this ability. It just happens if I have to jog to the bus stop. Yeah! You melt through things! You could be the... Melty Man! You know, when you suggest things like that, I wish I could pee acid, because it would make peeing on you right now indefinitely more satisfying. Well, your power is acid-based, and you usually start sweating from your forehead, so... Acid head? Think about what you just said there. What? Acid head. It sounds like I'm some kind of druggie. And if people think I sweat LSD, so instead of instilling fear, I'm gonna have raver girls with neon paint-covered midriffs licking the acid. Off my face. Maybe Acid Head wouldn't be so... No. When they burn their tongues off, there would be repercussions. Oh, I've got it! Acid Reflex! It's an involuntary body reflex! And it's acid! Get it? I hate you. Well, what would you call yourself? Professor H. Huh? Professor H. Get it? PH? Acids have a PH of less than seven. I can wear red, like the litmus paper. I like acid reflex. Well, how about you? I'm sure you've got something very intimidating. This is a new beginning for me, Rob. So just like Excalibur was forged in legendary place, I too was reborn in a land of mysticism. From this day forward, the name Donnie is dead within the clubhouse walls. I will forevermore be known as Avalon Frankie. Yeah, sure. Wait, you're serious. Indeed! This is my serious face, so you must realize I am serious. Live that dream, man. Live that dream.
Living it! Quickly! Acid reflex! We need costumes! Something durable and trendy, yet timeless so that we won't be confined to a specific decade. Whatever you say. I say it must be done! To the tailors! In that episode of Donnie Palumbo's Clubhouse of Supervillainy, Donnie was Ed Jones and Rob was Jordan Randall. Welcome to This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. Did you know that on December 6th, 1921, the Irish Free State, comprising four-fifths of Ireland, is declared, ending a five-year Irish struggle for independence from Britain? Like other autonomous nations of the former British Empire, Ireland was to remain part of the British Commonwealth, symbolically subject to the King. So they think that they've screwed us over, but they're the ones who are going to suffer, because we're a filthy, filthy country. None of us here wash our hands, and soon their hands will be dirty too. Isn't that right, Seamus O'Leary Clemency? Aye. What? So I make jokes about the French and the Irish? That doesn't mean I'm racist. Aye. Well, maybe it does. Aye, now I'll prepare the celebratory meal with my dirty hands. For our new British friends. Oh, how nice. Cabbage. And the ensuing pandemic caused by non-washing of hands destroyed the entire British Empire. God pity the Queen. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Hello, my name's Rory Sinjin. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. On December 13th, 2003, after spending nine months on the run, former Iraqi dictator Saddam Hussein is captured. U.S. soldiers found Saddam Hussein hiding in a six to eight foot deep hole, nine miles out of his hometown of Tikrit. The man, once obsessed with hygiene, was found unkempt with a bushy beard and matted hair. <laughs> that great Satan Bush will never find me here hiding in this hole like a rat. <laughs> Smell that? I reckon I do. That's definitely rotten cheese curds. Only one thing smells like rotten cheese curds in Iraq. Saddam Hussein. Oh, I thought it was rotten cheese curds. Well, besides that. Oh. I figured well, they wouldn't go for the obvious one. What, lock and load? I guess so. Y- you go in first. I'm okay. Scared. Hold on, let me knock. Hello? Hello, who's there? This what is did the we say? No, no, don't, don't tell him. Don't tell him. Is this, is this the electrician? My, my refrigerator doesn't work down here without the refrigerator that, plugged into the wall. That, that depends. Is this Saddam Hussein? Of course this is Saddam Hussein. Who else gets a refrigerator in this blasted country? Well, this is Smith & Wesson. Dude, don't shoot. You give it away. Oh, oh, oh my, my, yeah, we're, we're the electricians. Okay, come on in. Teaching us once and for all that you should always refrigerate your dairy products, especially if you're a dictator hiding from an invading army. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't wash your hands of this yet. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And so it came to pass that the Irish infected America with their filthy-handed ways, and Irish-American soldiers got into the American soldiery and went and found Saddam Hussein and killed him. And when those Irishmen killed Saddam Hussein, they went into his little hideout and they said, does he have anything interesting around here? They decided to check his refrigerator. They opened his refrigerator, but his refrigerator was not plugged in to working electricity, and it had curdled cheese curds. And the soldiers said, well, you know, if I was Saddam, I would hide my most valuable things inside the disgusting and ruined cheese because who would want to look in there? So the the filthy Irish-American soldiers stuck their hands into the curdled cheese and just kind of smushed
smooshed, smooshed, trying to look for something valuable. They found a giant stash of gold, and they said, we're going to steal this gold. Um, I'll put it in some of my pants. Let's have that, and some pockets. I've got some pockets. You have a bag? Yes, I've got a bag. All right, they put it in the bag. They smooshed all the cheese all over themselves. They were disgusting. The refrigerator wasn't plugged in. The food went bad. You have to get rid of your dairy products before you unplug your refrigerator because, you know, it will go bad. When they got back to base, their hands were so extra, extra disgusting from the cheese that the commanding officer smelled them and said, you smell like some sort of filthy-handed Irishman. You should wash your hands. And they said, what do you mean, wash your hands? And they said, well, I mean, you know, soap, water, you know, that sort of thing. Keep uh, disgusting things from being on your hands, disease and all. And they said, I don't understand. And the person said, can you empty out your pockets? They found all the gold. They arrested them. So now, the lesson you should take from this is, wash your hands, especially if someone has already made the mistake of having dairy products in a refrigerator that is unplugged and the dairy products go bad. And don't stick your hands in the dairy product. That's gross. So wash your hands. Thank you. My name's Rory Sinjin. This is Where Are They Now in History on Gaston Wax. Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten by Pete Bowers and Charles Berman. Episode 1, Love Laughs at Nathan Van Etten. There are many great people in this world, philosophers, scientists, writers, and artists. Some say we can all learn by taking a page from the lives of these great examples, but some say we can take useful lessons from the lives of utterly insignificant people. One of the people who says this is Nathan Van Etten. Oh, hey guys! We join Nathan on one of the brightest, loveliest days of the year. Autumn has just left the first faint touches of chill in the air, wrinkling the very edges of the leaves while its cool breeze wafts philosophy into our minds as it reminds us of the end of summer, but relieves its oppressive heat. Nathan is inside, preparing for the Space 1999 Marathon by making his traditional Space 1999 lunch. Um, should I start now? Yes, Nathan. Now seems about right. Oh, okay. Let's see. Peanut butter, mayonnaise, Hellman's, of course. What else do I need? Oh, God! Brad! How could I forget your fluffy goodness? No need to ham it up, Nathan. Just be yourself. What do you mean? If there's anybody I'm being right now, buddy, it's myself. You want to make something of it? Forget it, Nathan. That I will voice inside my head. As the time grows nearer, when Nathan's thirst for the nostalgic visions of Moonbase Alpha will be quenched, a more physical thirst cannot help but make itself felt. God, is this worth depleting my supply of Ecto Cooler? They don't make it anymore, and I only have 42 cases left. That would leave two episodes without Ecto Cooler? Well, I guess Mountain Dew Blue Shock it is, then. But the pleasures of solitude can be short-lived. <laughs> It's our network of friends that keeps us connected with the people we like. Wow, really? Without it, would Nathan's friend Neil have come calling? Hey Nathan, figured you'd be home. Well, you thought right, my car wash worker friend. Not an Aquaman's chance on Dune when I miss the- Great, I, I wondered if you might have a minute. I wanted to ask your advice about something. Well, you have three minutes, my friend. I can see why you would come to me for nuggets of wisdom and truth about leaving you in the lurch. Yeah, you know, I just can't make up my mind about this. 
I've already talked to my mom, oh. my dad, my okay. brother, your brother, the you priest, the bartender, the rabbi, the garbage man, that guy that cleaned our gutters, gutter my doctor, guy? the crossing guard, the imam, my co-workers, dear that? Abby, Marilyn Vossavant, okay, Miss Manners, Ask a Violator, Fine. Rush Limbaugh, that guy at the toll booth, you Kim Jong-il. stop Jean-Neil. now. Really, Neil? I could go on. No, I get it. You realize that after talking to all these people, that my advice would still be the only option that was worthwhile. Sure, we can say that. I knew it. Okay, my friend, what can I assist you with? Well, there's this girl that I've been wanting to ask out for like two weeks now, and I just can't seem to figure out a way to do it. Well, if that's your question, I can't see why you didn't just come to me first. I mean, it just makes sense. No one in our circle of friends, dare I say, no one in the world has ever taken as long as I have to plan about how to do this very thing. Uh, really? That's right, for I, Nathan Van Etten, have developed that A number one, no fail, foolproof, surefire, deluxe date request. Great. See, first you go up to her, making sure to dry off your palms, forehead, and anywhere else that needs it. Why aren't you taking notes? (laughs) Let me just get the gist of it first, then I'll write down the specifics. Okay, if you really think that's a good idea. So after you're pretty close to her, lose power of speech. Once she sees how you were dumbstruck, run away crying. Next, ignore her for like three weeks. This will show her how confident you are. Next thing, send her flowers, chocolates, little chocolates, teddy bears holding hearts, and tribbles professing your love. But don't sign anything. When she asks if you know who sent them, say you don't know, but you'll think it over. This will create an aura of mystery. When she and her family go on vacation, peek through her window or sneak into the house if you have to discover through the chance use of a stepladder that they don't lock the upstairs windows to find out what kind of soap she likes. Start buying it in bulk. That way is more economical. Run into her in the street as often as you can, but try not to do it at the same time that you're learning to drive as she really liked that bike and it was damaged beyond repair. Next- Okay, but how do I get her to know I want a date? Well, unorthodox, I know, but you could just call her. Yeah, okay, that seems to be the consensus. I think I finally will, I just needed to get up the nerve, and if you would have the nerve- Well, I I hadn't really gotten up to that part, but I'm glad to be- Hey, what are you doing? Hello, Ivana? Hey, how are you? Great, great, me too. Yeah, I was wondering, uh, you weren't doing anything Friday, maybe we could get dinner or see a movie? Yeah. Great! I'll pick you up at five. Cool. See you then. It worked! She said yes. Yeah. Did you say her name was Ivana? Yeah, she works down at the Tasty Freeze, Ivana Von Doren. You know her? Know her? I went to middle school with her. She holds the purse strings of my heart. I was hoping one day to make her Ivana Van Doren Van Etten. Really? What, can't you see us together for eternity? No, I mean Van Doren Van Etten. She's a modern, independent woman. Well, I gotta go. See you, Nathan. My God! The epitome of the female species, and I just delivered her into the hands of my rival, who I didn't even know was my rival until just moments ago. Love was never easy, and some people say that's what makes it so hard. You can say that again. Love- But don't, please. It's just an expression. I like to be colloquial sometimes. And so, the autumn breeze wafts gently through Nathan's window. He contemplates Could you be quiet, please? For just, like, a minute. Silence is a treasured thing. 
It provides us our only escape from noise. Please! You know, I think I've learned something today. You should never give your friends advice. It just might work. And then where will you be? Desperate and alone, with nothing but a peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich and some Mountain Dew Blue Shock for solace. Really? That's what you got out of this? Okay. Well, as the sun gently settles down the sky this evening, another chapter closes in Nathan's life. Perhaps you'll be with us again in the future, when we take more... Lessons from the life of Nathan Van Etten. In that episode of Lessons from the Life of Nathan Van Etten, Nathan was Mickey Weishner, the narrator was J.R. Kumrad, and Neil was William Donaldson. Oh man! I just missed the first ten minutes of the marathon! Now I'm not just annoyed! This really is the worst day ever! It's time for Why Should You Win? The game show where you convince someone that you should win. And let's meet our host, President of the American Offense Defense League, Byron Samuels! That's right, this is President Byron Samuels, the president, the word he said I was president of sounds about racket to me. I'm the host of the post, uh, why, why Should You Win? It's the program where you uh, you convince me that you should win, and once you've done that, well, all you you're basically finished with what you're trying to do. Well, this is a program. I'm going to bring on a number of guests, and once I guess them, and then they win. So uh, let's have our first uh, protestant here. Uh, let's uh, let's have you on the program here. Number one. Hi. How's it going? Hi. 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 Well, this has been very destructive. Uh, well, uh, why should you win? I am smartest vegetable. Smartest vegetable always win. Well, that's very uh, uh, that's very convicting right away. But uh, I, I, I suppose that makes you zucchini. Broccoli. Broccoli is smartest vegetable. I have vitamins. Do you have vitamins? You do not have vitamins. I am smartest vegetable. Therefore, I win. Well, hold on. A vegetable that's in a coma. Uh, somebody in a coma is not particularly smart. You're you're kind of dumb, particularly when you can't think. Now, I I, I immediately take the position here that you are not going to be winning so far because vegetable people are dumb. Also, vegetables that grow, they always stay in one place. They don't know how to do anything except get eaten. Anybody gets boiled in a pot over and over again and then served on a dinner plate, not especially intelligent because otherwise they would have gotten out of the pot and then they wouldn't have been made into dinner or lunch or breakfast. For that matter... Nobody has broccoli for breakfast. Well, it was a fairly intelligent observation. You might be the smartest vegetable, but other contestants might not be vegetables, therefore they might be more likely to be the winner. So far, you're not the best candidate out of the one. Alright, let's get our next candidate here for how, why should you win with uh, President Byron Samuels. Uh, who, who are you and why should you win? Hi, uh, my name is uh, Herschel. Um, 
Why should I win? I don't know. I'm trying to find out from Well, you. if you stop interrupting me, boy, I'll tell you why I should win. I'm Hold on. I'm I'm the post of this program. I'm the multiple debateator, and I'm the president. I have more rights to, to disrupt you than you have to disrupt me. Perhaps you should ask which one of the medals that is currently hanging off of my left side, which one gives a flying poop, because I guarantee it's none of them. Well, remember Young man, I marched my way off of two separate continents, wiping Nazis off this earth so people like you could mispronounce words on shows. And I think you owe a little bit of respect to me and should let me win this game. I haven't dispronounced a single thing, first of all. Second of all, if you're marching off a continent, that's extremely inintelligent I said because a, you fall right in the motion. I said a cross, not... Oh, you, you are such a dumb person. I say you should let me win this game because I can probably outthink you. Fifth of all, if you're hanging medals off your side, that'll just make you sopple over. You're going to fall on the ground, and then you're not going to be standing up anymore, which is an extremely stupid idea to do. Broccoli right. does not walk much safer. You know what, vegetable? I will come over there and stew you so quick you won't know what hits you. I'll smack the green right off your face. Cannot eat broccoli, you don't have teeth. This game sucks, I'm leaving. Wait a minute, you haven't even explained why I should win. I've been trying to, boy, but you keep interrupting me. What do you want to know? Why should you win? Why should I win? Because you youngsters don't know anything about respect these days. And I think it's high time you started paying tribute to those who started laying the pathways of today's modern existence for you to us. I am so angry at you, I have no idea where I started this sentence. And I think that a little bit of gratitude should be given to us for helping you create this show, because we did. Well, first off, the more respect you have, the more authority you give somebody else. And the more they have authority, uh, the, the, the more power they got and the less power you got. So the more you're respecting somebody, the more you're making yourself lose. And making yourself lose is exactly what this program ain't about. Then I so must be the biggest winner on this game thus far, sir. Because I don't know what you're the president of, but whatever it is, it's not getting my vote anytime soon. That's fine. It's not a democracy. Of course it isn't. I wouldn't have fought for it if it wasn't. Well, you're extremely confused. I'm extremely confused. Don't even get me started. I'll talk these dentures clean out of my mouth. I'm gonna be in the back. Call me when I win. You can clean dentures by talking? Well, he's certainly not going to be the winner of this program. He doesn't even make any sense. All right, let's get somebody else on here. Why should you win? I should win because I am the pretty fairy princess of Colombia. You come from Colombia? Yes. It's a pretty little country, and I'm the princess of there. They voted me in. Well, if you're a monarch, clearly you don't need to win anything. You're already the winner. It's chosen by, uh, Divine Rice. So I have won, as you have declared it. I declare this show now officially over. Goodbye! Well, I think the Rice won. All right. Well, she just ended the program, so clearly she can't win the program after it's over. Let's have our next contestant. Well, no, that's because I've already won. But the show's over. You can't win. So why are you still talking? Because I haven't ended the show yet. Your show's over. Mine's not. Oh, no, 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 no. I came to win your show. But it's my show. How are you going to win it? Really? That's what you went with? Because I thought this was a game show, so the contestants have the chance to win. Not you. Well, if you win the show, then you get it. But you already said I won. Oh, uh, well, you're, unless we have a, a revolution, that's basically what I'm about. I'm a revolutionary, so I think you've been uh, overthrown. Well, that's not fun, and you're not getting the tiara back. I never had a tiara. Well, I and I'm four. glad I'm not getting it back. All right, you've already been uh, overthrown. 
this is uh, more demonstratic. Uh, let's get somebody on here. It's uh, gonna gonna convince me they should win. Hello, I am Sancho, and I think I should win this show. Well, I don't yet. Well, why do you think you should win? I am Sancho. Are you Sancho? No. Is the vegetable man Sancho? Vegetable? Are you Sancho? No. Is the old man Sancho? He left the room. He can't be Sancho. I just hell ain't no Sancho, boy! The pretty, the pretty Tiara princess, she is not Sancho. I am Sancho, and therefore I should win. There's one thing missing here. You've, you've, you've remonstrated that you're Sancho. I just don't understand why being Sancho should make you the winder. You are not Sancho, you are Byron. Just Byron. Why would Byron win over Sancho? Well, that's maculate so far, but I'm just trying to figure out why merely having the nomenclature to be Sancho should make you the victorious one. Our previously unnamed opponents that have not introduced themselves, they are not Sancho. Are you Sancho unnamed opponents? Well, I think this conversation's going in relipses. Um, well, <laughs> that guy certainly proved he was Sancho. I don't know if he proved he should win, but he proved he was Sancho. Anybody else want to win? Hello. My name is Susan Rainbow Tree Spirit, and I am a uh, doctorate of patchouli studies at the Holistic University. Well, I don't know what that is. Why should it make you win? And what is it? Well, patchouli is a very important fragrance, and I, I'm very, very passionate on this topic. I, I think that it helps me reach a higher level of awareness, both with the earth and, and with the sky and, and all that is above it. And the smell is heavenly and Ah, uh, ah, uh, okay, sorry, I had to smell it. Well, um, hold on, now this, this, uh, this fragments you got, the more you reach a level of awareness, the more stuff you know, then you become a know-it-all and nobody likes you, so what good is that? Clearly, you're misinterpreting what I am saying. I am Susan Rainbow Tree, <laughs> Susan Rainbow Tree Spirit. Well, those are nouns. How, where, what's your name? That is my name. My first name is Susan. All right, Susan. My last name is Rainbow Tree Spirit. She is not Sancho. That is correct. However, I do feel that patchouli is an earth, earthy scent that brings me closer to the world and keeps me grounded. Did, did you know? Well, I... No, no. Shh. Did you know that grass is the carpet of the world. I, I would consider that a letter for. Grass is boring. Stupid vegetable. Wait a minute, ain't the vegetable more grounded than you are? Eating the ground. Then how is he here? Clearly he must have been plucked. Well, vegetable, are you still growing or are you plucked? That is personal question. Listen, I think that there's something to be said about people who are open and honest with others about their feelings and their status in life. And if you aren't comfortable with your plucked nature, then I don't see how you could possibly win. Now, wait a minute. If you're just going around smelling the, if you're going around smelling this fragments all the time, how is it 
that you're comfortable with the way you was before you smelled it. Certainly not. I was raised by patchouli manufacturers, so there's never been a time in my life when I have been without the smell. Well, that sounds extremely monogamous. Uh, Thank you. Yes, I, I am, was raised on a purely vegan diet of rice, soy, tofu, and lentils, and patchouli. Well, the other one, she, she won by rice already. I don't know. I think you're all uh, piltering each other's arguments here. It's, uh, I think it's time for me to deliberate here, uh, deciding who should be the winner on this program. Uh, it should very clearly be me. I've already won. I'm the Princess of Columbia. Well, so you won in the past. Who should be the winner in the presence? She is not the Princess of Sancho. I bet Again. I could be voted the Princess of Sancho. I figure it can't be that hard. Do princesses get voted in? Yeah. All right, so we got one princess that won by rice, so she already won, so she can't win Columbia again. Colombia has constitutional monarchy. We got one guy that's a vegetable and growing and in the ground. And a great tiara. Got one guy who's definitely uh, revinced me that he's Sancho, but not that he should win. Uh, well, all right, compost, what do you think our criteria should be? Well, Samuel. Yeah? It strikes me that the person who should win is definitely the person that you, in your wisdom, choose to win. Well, I find it hard to argue with that. Thank you. Uh, I think the lice should go to the lady with the fragments. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Samuels. All right, here's the lice. Wait, lice? Yes! I, I already have some of that. It's the grand lice! I, I, I am so glad I didn't win now. I'm gonna go. Sancho approves of this decision. Thank you very much for this honor of winning. Uh, I felt I deserved to win. Um, and I will be speaking on patchouli at the University of Holistic Studies on some... I forget when. Well, I, I'd appreciate the latitude there. Uh, I don't know why nobody wins the, wants to win the Grand Lice anymore. It's kind of uh, uh, undermines the, uh, the, the premise of the program. Anyway... Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, congratulations on, on winning Why Should You Win? This has been Why Should You Win? The game show where you convince the host that you should win. Thank you and good night. That episode of Why Should You Win featured the voice talents of Charles Berman, Daniel Schwartz, J.R. Coonrad, Mickey Weishner, Julia Kelly, Dave Miller, and Angela Time. Thank you very much, Rory. Um, that was very nice of you. And that was a great series of shows. I hope you all enjoyed them. Sam Jackson, Donnie Palumbo, uh, 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 the boy whose name I forget. Um, the guy who, uh, what was his name? Nathan, um, Nathan Van Etten, that was. Right, right, Nathan Van Etten, who we have heard before on Frankly Speaking. I remember correct. Absolutely correct. Yes, uh, he did go to high school with the missing Frank Allen. He did. He did. Uh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Well, um, hopefully everybody is uh, enjoying the shows. Uh, I really enjoyed Why You Should Win. Um, it's too bad about the lice. I, I was not as into the lice. But aside from that, it was a really good show, and I, I, I hope we can hear it again someday. President Samuels seems to have done a real nice job for himself. Uh Becoming using his uh, his credit as the uh, multiple debateator, or rather, um, ultimate debateator, as as we actually called him, to to get himself a career. So that's nice. That's nice. Um, anyway, um, we have a few emails to read. So, um, Scape, are you around? I'm around. Right. I, well, because I want I want you here for the emails. I want to know your opinion on things. Uh, anyway, this first one 
is uh, from Jacob Thompson, who uh, who used to appear on the show in the old days, and whose uh, whose show uh, excellent job opportunities for the end of the world we we once enacted. He wrote into us, and uh, Rory, could you read this letter, please? Yes, no problem. Uh, Cast and wax crew. I'm going to make points which will hopefully be quick or surely be edited. There are several reasons why Rory Sinjin may be so widely disliked. Great. Wonderful. Any first-time listener will quickly discern that he is a charlatan by trade. Scam artists tend to be unpopular. And that's not true. Just read, just, we'll just read the email, and you can always talk about it afterwards. Fine, fine. Um, I am not bothered by this, because even if he is a con man, I'm not, by the way, his mercenary attitude ensures that he only harms those who can afford to inflict him on their wallets. Well, you know. Perhaps people do not like his voice. To me, he always sounded... Like an unsuccessful Stewie Griffin impression. Now, you know, this is not a nice thing to say. Jordan, why are you having me read this? It's it's email that came in. I forgot that it said all that. Well, I, you know, it's not nice. But there's more. There's more. you got to keep going. <sighs> Fine. I have several notions for possible ukulele covers. A challenge pick would be something by Richard Hell in the Voidoids. Blank Generation is an odd duck of a song and would likely sound odder on ukulele. I think that The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota by Weird Al Yankovic would sound excellent on ukulele. On a more general tip, there are many songs by Al Stewart that would sound good stripped down to uke, and his songs tend to have a sort of literary lyric that Jordan both enjoys and writes. Finally, although I rarely like Scape songs, Cat is Sleeping is fantastic. If there's one area that Scape truly excels over Jordan, it is punk rock. Edison Forever Jacob. Uh, well, Jacob, uh, thank you for the the, the uh, picks for ukulele is for is for covers. I've never heard of Richard Hell and the Voidoids, so I kind of I, I mean I've literally never heard of them. So I, I would kind of put them on the uh, I've never heard of them pile. Biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. That's too specific. Weird Al, I could do, but biggest ball of twine in, in Minnesota. That's a song. I want only an artist. However, your your Al Stewart pick. That's great. I, I actually know a couple of Al Stewart songs. Not on the uke. I mean, I know of them. So, uh, you know what? I'll try to do an Al Stewart song. Uh, you're not next in line. I think you're going to be third in line. But I will... Uh, no, I think you're second in line. Well, at any rate, the point is, I will do that. Um, Scape, he doesn't like many of your songs, but he likes Cat is Sleeping. Well, that's... I don't know how to react to that, because it's like, you say the nice thing about one song, but you're saying you don't like my song is normal. Yeah, it's sort of... It's like a... I don't I want to say it's a backhanded compliment, but it's really more of a backhanded insult. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, hopefully everybody else enjoys Scapey songs. Uh, sorry, Jacob, that you don't like them, but... Cat and Sleeping is terrific. My version wasn't very punk rock, you're right, but still. Continuing on, um, I've got another letter here to read. Oh, this was the one from Charles that addresses all the radio serials. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll quickly uh, read it. I should have read it before, but I, I forgot. Hey, Jordan, thanks for the clarification about when the market machine is going to be put into effect. Actually, it's pretty disappointing. It's not that I would have any problem with producing these serials just for the satisfaction they provide, but it had been a lot of trouble keeping my job through the whole police investigation business, and when I heard that the market machine would be able to provide me a fair fee for whatever I was doing, I decided to quit. I mean, why should I ever have to do any work that I don't consider fun anymore? Hell, why should anybody? It will truly be a great world when nobody will have to clean toilets or drive garbage trucks because they will all be paid fairly for more fun work. But I guess until January or so I'm out of a job. Anyway, Wally is still sick, unfortunately, but he is on the mend. I think he said something about how it must have been a salad that he ate since salads cause disease. Weird how Frank just disappeared in the middle of the episode last week. I hope he's okay. Nathan and Hank are really worried about him. Anyway, here's some more radio serials. There will be a slight delay on more episodes of Robot Zombie Hunters as Ed's computer is temporarily out of commission, but hopefully the listeners will enjoy what we do have for them this week. And we already played what they have for us this week. Um, this is Jordan talking again. So um, hopefully you did enjoy that. Sorry about the wait on uh, Robot. You, you heard him. 
let me let me address the market machine thing because again, Charles, uh, you don't quite understand. There's a few a few misconceptions you've got in there. First of all, the whole thing about money. I mean, the fact is, if you you could use the market machine to see how much you should rightly charge for your your podcasts or your your um your serials. I wouldn't be able to pay it. If you said to me, here's how much you owe me, I would say, well, I don't have that, so I can't give it to you because I'm not charging for this podcast. Now, when the market machine starts, starts would I charge for the podcast? Probably not because, again, I, I don't know. I actually like giving it away for free, so I probably would continue to give it away for free. But the market machine would provide me with a, a price that I could charge if I were going to charge for it. It's complicated. Now, regarding this garbage trucks and toilets, those people will still be doing that job because – Obviously, as anyone can tell you, we will still need clean toilets and we will still need garbage hauled in the new, better world that the market machine introduces us to. That being said, those people will be paid more um, because they are such crappy jobs. I think jobs that are undesirable will probably get a boost in income versus what we have here in this world. And I don't know that for certain. We'll have to check with the market machine when it's programmed. But you know, it's, it, the, 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 the crappiness of the job, I think, will get factored in. Because there are fewer people who want to do it. Everybody's going to want fun jobs. Therefore, in some ways, fun jobs will pay less. Um, look, it, it, is a, it is a complicated process figuring out the, the market machine's money. That's why I've got a team of experts working on it, not just me. Um, there's a bunch of people who share my, my determination to make this work. And, and the Senate is approving it as it goes. Um, I don't know if you've heard. Uh, but this has been happening. And th this is all good. I'm glad that you are, are addressing concerns with it to me. Uh, the point is, it's going to work out. It's going to be really good. So don't worry, don't worry. Uh, let's see. Now, I believe we have another email. Uh, if you want to read another one. Is this going to be another one about terrible things about me? No, 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 no. This one I don't think mentions you at all. All right. Um, here we are. Hi, guys. I am so happy to hear that Frank is really turning his life around. I recently became a certified Zumba instructor, which is another way to feel great about yourself while exercising. So with the increase in exercise in my life, I am feeling the positive effects as well. If you're ever in Binghamton again, Frank, I hope you will stop by and try one of my classes. Your first one is free, so you can try it risk-free. It's a Latin dance-based aerobics class, so come learn how to dance and have a great time. Keep up the good work, Frank. Thank you, Angela Tymon. Unfortunately, Angela, um, as you heard, Frank is gone. Frank is missing. Now, hopefully, he is still keeping up his exercise because it really did seem to turn his life around, um, but I don't know where he is or what he's doing, so I can't officially answer that. Frank, if you're out there listening to us, please uh, keep up the exercise because it was good for you. Also, let us know where you are. Yes, I would think that was kind of... You, you made this whole big deal about that being the more important part. Right. No, but I mean, if he has some reason that he doesn't want to contact us, that's fine and that's his business. I would like him to contact us. But, you know, also keep your keep your healthy lifestyle up. I mean, I, I God knows I'm not doing anything very healthy, so I, at least you should. Well, you know, you should as well. Uh, we'll see about that that. Um, here's another uh, letter. Hi, Jordan. I'm really enjoying the new serials our friends have been sending in and wanted to say that the last podcast had my favorite episodes of Robot Zombie Hunters and Slam Jackson to date. I found the last episode of Robot Zombie Hunters very touching where we learn why Sergeant Steel can no longer be friends with Clem. And of course, Slam Jackson episode 4.5 revealed the results of this investigation into Alan Thomas's murder, which was a great relief to me. I have been officially cleared of all charges regarding this case, and I'm looking forward to some long-awaited peace and quiet. I wanted everyone to know what a fantastic investigator Slam is, how professionally he handled my investigation, and what an all-around nice guy he is. He handled my case quickly and advised me well, and I would work with him again in a heartbeat. In fact, I talked to him about getting into investigative reporting because I really think that he has a talent and personality for it, though I don't know that he'll be taking that route anytime soon. See you soon, Lynn. 
ah, you know, that's it's funny that she wrote this in because I I feel like it was a barb at Frank. Yes, I can see that as well because of you know the investigative reporter thing. Right? No, I do. I think it was a barb at Frank. Um, unfortunately, Lynn Frank's Frank's missing, uh, so he is not here to get stuck with your barb. I'm sure he would be upset if he heard it. He'd be like, well, you know, Sam Jackson is not an investigative reporter. No, no, no. Right, right, right. He'd be like, oh, I studied really hard. He didn't study at all. No, I know, but he'd be he'd be saying, I, you know, I have practice. I have all this uh, experience. He doesn't. No, I know, I know, but he would say that. These are things he would say. So, um, Lynn, I think you can take it as read that if he's listening to this podcast, he'd probably be upset. Um, but otherwise, um, he doesn't know about it. Sorry. Uh, congrats on not being a murderer. Um, that's nice to know that for sure. And those are all the emails we've got. Um, again, write into us castinwax at gmail.com. That's castinwax at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you. Yes, you. If you heard me say the word you, that's who I'm talking about. I'm talking about you yourself. Now, uh, Rory, thank you for being on the show. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure as always. And I'm sure I'll see you uh, on the next episode. Scape, we've got you here for the final part of the show because we're here to hear about your brand new song. Yes, and I am very pleased to have you hear about it. Great, great. Um, so you have an essay to read? Uh, uh, a little introductory essay? Absolutely. Here it is. Okay, so like, here we go. Once upon a time, hello. My name is Scapey. This is my third song of this semester. And... Again, I had to focus on a rare of the song because that is the assignment. So, the rare that I focused on this time was, okay, the lyrics. So, the first thing that I did was to say, Hey, self, scaping, that is me. What do you want this song to be about? And what happened was, just before I wrote the song, Dad had had lunch. And he had a soup that was made out of cheese and broccoli and chicken. And I was like, Hey, Dad. That smells pretty good. Do you want to give it to me? And he was like, no. But when he finished eating, he put down his bowl, and uh, guess what? It had lots of little of the juice, you know, on it from the food. And I was like, ha, 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 I will rick it. And so I ripped it. And so when I sat down to write the song, I was like, what is something that means a lot to me? And I was like, well, getting to rick the bowl after somebody eats is really awesome. And I should try to write a song to convey how great it is. So I did. After I wrote all the words, all of them, then I wrote a little melody, like in my head, like, like that, in my head. And then I was like, Dad, here's the melody. I'm going to sing it. Sing, and I sang it. And you figure out how to play ukulele underneath it. And he did. And I was like, do it like this, like this, like this, like that. And uh, he did. And he played it, ka-ching, ka-ching. And that was the ukulele part. And then I was like, I'm going to sing again, but I'm going to sing the different notes this time. That's what we call harmony. Okay? That was good. And finally, we had some snapping fingers that we put in to keep like a rhythm. But that was the last part we added. So, overall, I think this song ended up being really sensitive, okay? And really emotional, okay? Because I wrote it about such a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Yes. Thank you. Excellent, Scape. That was excellent. Um, good introduction. So here is the song he is referring to. It is a song called Lick the Bowl. Of course. Right. And um, other than that, uh, we'll see you next time. Be seeing you.
want you, I don't, I want you, I don't, I'll get my name. Then I will eat up everything, eat up everything left behind, yeah. Try food is nice sometimes. It's crunchy and it's always there. The lots of face at times. When food smells lingering. Sure.